0: Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hello, thanks for joining us today. We're super excited about our time together uh, here. We're we're talking through a series uh, over the next few days about uh, excuses. Everybody has them. The, the series is actually titled Bring Your Butt to Church. Ironically, I'm joining you over the internet, and you probably aren't sitting in a church. Maybe you'll get an encouragement out of this message today uh, to come and join in a, in a local fellowship, a local church somewhere close to you, and, and be involved in biblical community. I, I believe that's important, but our, our series is, is Bring Your Butt to Church, and and we really are. We're going to talk about excuses because all of us have them. We all have excuses. We all have reasons. It, it may, we, it's so easy to give them. It's so easy to say, man, I'll get to that later. I, man, I, I'll do that when I get a chance. Oh, man, I can't right now. I got a lot going on. I don't have time. Uh, that's one we're going to press into today. The, the excuses we have, I, I truly believe that that they are so detrimental to us, that can ruin our lives. I believe that every excuse we make is an area where we prefer God's our way over God's way. When I make an excuse, especially as a follower of Christ, when I make an excuse, I believe it's just an opportunity for me to, to make my preferences known over God's. So it's time, as we dig into this message, it's time to get your butt out of the way. And so today we're going to talk about Why I would pray, but. And so I I thought this was interesting. There are 667 recorded prayers in the Bible, and 454 of them are directly mentioned being answered. And so out of that 667, we can track 454 answers to, to, to those prayers. So the majority of those prayers are answered, And here's a a quote I want to share with you today that that I believe impacts, especially here uh, in in our culture, in this country, I I believe this is true. And so I'm going to read this for you. The American culture is probably the hardest place in the world to learn to pray. We are so busy that when we slow down to pray, we find it uncomfortable. We prize accomplishments and production, but prayer is nothing but talking to God. It feels useless as if we are wasting time. Every bone in our body screams, get to work. And I, and I tell you, I, th- that's been me at different times in my life. Maybe you, that resonates with you as well today as you think about that. It's so difficult sometimes. We, everything in our culture is about go, 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 get it done, get it done, get to work. We've always got to be busy doing something. And, and I believe that, that prayer is nothing but talking to God, but sometimes we feel like we're wasting time if we just sit still. And talk to our Father in heaven who loves us and who desires to have a relationship with us. And so we're going to spend time today in Matthew. We're in chapter six. We're going to pick up in verse number five. Is where we'll spend our time, verses five through eight in Matthew chapter six. And we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. We're, we're in uh, the first recorded message of of Jesus, our Savior, and and he's sharing uh, some instructions about some key principles of our faith, some key uh, uh, some key pillars of our faith in prayer, and giving, and fasting, and 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 material possessions. And so this is a very important message for us as followers of Christ to understand and know this is Jesus sharing his heart with his people, with the followers of Christ to say, this is what it means to be my follower. And he says, first, he he, he starts this passage off, when, not if. And so he says, whenever you pray, I'll read you this. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. He says, truly, I tell you, they have their reward. He says, they have their reward. He says, don't, don't stand, don't be like the hypocrites standing on the street corners and, 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 and in the synagogues to be seen by people. They've, they've gotten their reward. He's saying, basically, don't be an actor. The word hypocrite is basically the same thing as an actor. It's portraying something that you are not. And say, I, w- I want you to hear this today. Jesus is not going to change who you pretend to be. I believe it with all my heart that prayer changes our lives because as we interact with and grow in our relationship with Christ and with the Father and we do that through prayer and through studying His Word and we we commune with Him and spend time with Him in private and we allow His will to take over our lives and we do the things that He say, He tells us that are important to honor Him and to show our love for Him. Jesus is not going to change the person you pretend to be. See it's in bringing your real self to Jesus that's when you when you give him the opportunity to work on the real you. That's Jesus assumed real quick man Jesus assumed that his people would be a praying people. Jesus assumed he says when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites. He didn't say if you pray. He didn't say hey man if you get around to it if you if you go down this path then don't do this or do that. He says when you pray. And so I don't think it's about if I can make time, I have to make time. He is saying that when I pray, when you pray, this is a command. This is him, Jesus pouring out his heart to say how important it is to spend time in prayer. And he assumed that his people would be a praying people. But but as we keep reading, we'll see that this is relational. It's not ritual. This is not about ritualistic prayer. This is about relational communication and connection with the Father. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites and stand outside on the street corner and do all these things to be seen by people. He says, but when you pray, again, when you pray, not if you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. So your father, will, will when you spend time with him and, and, you, and you start digging into the fact that this is relational, not ritual, this is not about having a certain place and time. And, and, and man, I, I, it's always this ritualistic thing where it's not personal at all. This is a, a relational connection to the father. At Southside Church, we talk about building real followers of Jesus, and this is where real gets relational. You see, we can't do life without Jesus. We can't. We are are dependent on him. That's the relational part of our connection to him. Jesus said in John 15, 5, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so what Jesus is doing is he's inviting us into a life of depending on our Father in heaven for everything that we need. Every relational connection, every physical need, everything that we, spiritual connection, everything in our lives from one end to the other, what he's saying is you can be dependent on your father because he will meet your needs. See, the depth of your relationship, the depth of your relationship relies on the time you invest in it. It's true in marriage. I, my wife and I have been married for for twenty four years, and and I can tell you that the depth of our relationship is a direct result of the time that we invest in it. I, I think in, for any relationship to grow, you need private space and time together. You, this is about being both personal and specific. If, I think marriage is a great uh, analogy, a great connection to, to to look at this and and see what when when Christine, my wife, and I were when we were dating. Man, or, and, and even when we got married, we, 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 once we had kids, there's some conversations, man, we can talk about with anybody around. At home, in, in our home, there's conversations. We have regular conversations. And, and, and those conversations, they're not unimportant, but they're, they're conversations that the kids, you know, it's, a, it's okay if they're involved in it. But there's some stuff, there's some conversations and there's some moments that are just... For my wife and I, for you and your spouse, if you're married, for you and and Jesus, for me and Christ, to to be able to spend together, alone in a, in a place, and that's what Jesus says in verse chapter six. I mean, in verse chapter six, verse six, he says, "Go into a secret place. Go, go seclude yourself. Go, go take yourself away." from all the other things that have been going on for that moment, that day, that whatever that time frame is, and and get alone before him and be personal in that prayer time. Be specific in how you speak and and understand specifically who you're talking to and how much the God of heaven loves you and wants to commune with you. So I, I, I put this question here. How long has it been since you shut the door on the distractions of life and poured out your heart before the Lord? How long has it been? Jesus said, close the door. Remove remove yourself from the distractions and get along with the Father. Spend time in prayer to be there, just you and him, so that you can pour out your heart and be transparent before him, and he can hear you, and he can respond to you in ways that you can't even imagine. Jesus, he continues his message to the people. He says, don't babble. He says in verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. See they would pray and they would they they would have this long uh, repetition of words and they would say these things over and over again they would ramble and ramble on. And I think what Jesus is saying here is 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 our words are measured by weight not by length. Our prayers are measured by weight not length. Our 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 prayers are are measured by, by the context that we, that we put them in, by the, by the heart behind it, not how many we say or the things we say. It's more about the heart behind it and what it means. Am I being tra- transparent? Am I being real? Am I being vulnerable before the God of heaven so that he can see into my heart and we can have fellowship and, and relationship together? See, so Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2 says, God is in heaven and you're on earth, so therefore let your words be few. And so, I, you know, I, I think the more I, the more I get to know someone, the more you get to know somebody, the shorter, the more pointed conversations we can have. My phone calls with my wife, I was talking with a friend today. When we were dating, man, we'd call and talk and we'd just sit there for hours on end talking on the phone. We just, we talked about everything. Trying to win her heart, trying to woo her over, you know, trying to get her to understand that this was, man, me and her, this was a good thing. And so I would just spend hours and hours on the phone with her. And it's not that once we get married we quit doing that. We stop once you get married; those those moments don't don't reduce. You want to increase that, but it, it, it's not about the the length of our conversations at that point. It's about the weight of them, and it's it's not about to to, to keep saying the same things over and over. Jesus is saying, don't babble like the Gentiles do. It's just I think so many times we keep asking trying to persuade God. There's been times especially early in my faith when 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 I would say the same things over and over in prayer because I've distracted or or because I think if I say it so many times over that God's I'm going to persuade him that I'm going to that God's finally going to cave in like we do with children. If you've got kids you know they just keep asking and keep asking and keep asking and finally you're like, "Oh, yes, you can have that extra whatever." That's not how the relationship with God works. He's not going to be persuaded if we're persistently carrying on and babbling about things. So your many words aren't the point. There's no power words in our prayer that unlock certain levels there's no combination that unlocks a different answer to your prayer. There's no magic combination that like a Indiana Jones movie where if I say the certain things at a certain time in a certain way that all of a sudden this different version of answered prayer or this different version of God comes around. That's not what prayer is. See, you don't have to pray heroic prayers because you aren't the hero of the prayer. God is. I don't have to pray heroic prayers. It's not necessarily about these elaborate words that I can speak. If I can speak Hebrew and Greek and all these different things, God's not impressed by that. God is impressed by seeing the transparent heart of someone who loves him and understands his love for them. That's what prayer is about. This is different from what Jesus talks about in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, he says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. This is about repetition and using a lot of words and getting caught up in talking so much because we think we can persuade or impress God. That's not so much what this is about. This is about the intimate, not the irrelevant. This is about the intimate relationship. In verse 8, Jesus, I think, makes this clear. He says, don't be like them. Don't be like them because you're... Your father knows the thing you need before you ask him. Now, this is just, it absolutely blows me away. But this is talking about God knowing the father knows your heart, he knows what you need. You're not going to surprise him when you say, God, I need food. God, I need this. God, I need more of you. I need. I need confidence, I need wisdom. You're not gonna surprise God as you share your heart with him because he knows what you need before you ask. But I think so many times we can wrestle with, do we see God as useful or do we see him as beautiful? Do we see God as useful, a a means to the things we want, or do we see him as beautiful as the creator God, the, the God who gave his only son so that you and I could enjoy a relationship with him? the God whose love for us has no end, the God who has given his only son so that we can enjoy eternity with him, but so that we can also enjoy a life here full of joy and excitement about what I believe he can do in your life and in mine and in the lives of those people around us, the ones that we love and care for so much. So I'd ask you, what's the motive of your prayer? What are you looking for? I've asked this before in different conversations. If God answered Every prayer you've prayed in the last week, how much would your life change? See, there was a time when I would think, well, what would I have if God answered those prayers? But that was still more a materialistic prayer of what God will give me. God bless me. God give me these things. And those may not be the things that God wants me to have. So how much would my life change? If relationships change lives, it's outside. We, we, we believe we exist to build real followers of Christ. That is who we are as a church, and, and that's what we want to do, not only in our community, but in the communities God allows us to impact. We want to build real followers of Christ. The, the word real for us is an acronym. We believe that relationships encourage action that leads to life change. Life change is what a relationship with Jesus is all about. How much would your life change if God answered every prayer that you've prayed in the past week? I tell you what, man, here's a different question along the same line. How much would change about the lives of the people around you? Is God useful to you? Do you see him as a means to get what you want or to change your wants to align with his plan for your life? How do you see God? Because if all God is is a means to get what you want, there's easier ways, right? In the, in the American culture especially, there, there's easier ways to get what you want. If all the relationship for you with God has been about, if, if someone has a relationship with God and all God is is a means to an end, he's useful to them. There's different ways. There's different ways. I, I tell you, money can do what prayer does. It's faster and less time-consuming. See, our trust in ourselves and in our talents makes us structurally independent of God. It says, God, I don't need you. I don't need you in my life. That's the opposite of prayer. Instead of praying and spending time with God and my, my, my needs being met by him and me being dependent on him and being able to pour out my heart before him and be transparent and real, if all he is is useful to me to get the things that I think I want or need, money can do that way faster. Way faster, way less time consuming. But see, our trust in ourselves and in our talents makes us structurally independent of God. So I think we have to dig into what's our motive. What's our motive for prayer? And we started out in this message, we started out thinking, you know, and asking the question or making the statement rather, I would pray, but, you know, maybe I don't have the time and we're going to spend time talking about fasting in the next few days and we're going to spend time digging into how to pray and this is more why or why why I don't why or why not i would pray but sometimes i think our motive gets in the way i think our motive gets in the way and we don't know how to ask we don't know what to ask for we don't we we just start praying and we get lost and distracted or we say you know what i don't understand what it's about and so i'm just not going to do it we run from the uncomfortable and God is asking us to press into that to to lean into him. He hasn't moved. He is immovable. He is there. He is waiting on us as followers of Christ. Once we've said yes to him, once we've surrendered our heart to his son, to we've said we've accepted the gift of forgiveness for our sin and the gift of eternal life, then our motives should change to be more generate, regenerate, regenerated towards his heart and what he wants for us. You see, to figure out how prayer works, we have to surrender our desire for control. I personally believe this is just a personal belief, that one, one of, if not the greatest enemy in a relationship with Jesus is idolatry and it's the idol of self. Either I can do it on my own, independently of God, or God doesn't care. He doesn't worry about this part of my life or God doesn't see this part of my life. And either way, I'm going to remain in control because I'm important. This is about me. And so many times in, in, in life, it's, it's easy to get caught up in our desire for control, whether that's at home or at work or in the community, uh, even in church, in a, in a, in a setting uh, like church. It's so easy to get caught up in our desire for control rather than relinquishing that control and spending time in private in communication with the Father. And this doesn't mean that the only time you pray is when you go behind closed doors. Jesus isn't condemning public prayer. He's not chastising these people for praying in public. He's saying, if you're doing it to be seen by other people, if your motive isn't right, then you've gotten what you, you've gotten your reward. See, real prayer isn't getting something from God. It's getting more connected to him. And so I want to encourage you today to, to lean into that relationship. If you're a follower of Christ, I want to challenge you today, just begin today. To, to pour your heart out to him it doesn't have to be this reciting of some certain words there's uh, again there's no magical combination that you have to say it's communication and connection with god the father to say god i, I, I i'm thankful for who you are i'm thankful for your word i'm thankful for salvation god i've sinned and i've I've done these things that I know don't 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 align with your will and, and and don't line up with your spirit. And God, I'd ask for forgiveness in that. God, give me wisdom. Give me uh, give, give me an opportunity to serve you today to encourage people. He wants a real conversation with you, just like you would talk to anybody else, and and pour your heart out to him and be real, be transparent, and be vulnerable so that you can understand it's not about how much time you spend in prayer. It's about the weight of your prayers. It's about are you being open and and, and transparent and and letting God see into your heart. Guess what? He knows what you need before you ask, so why are we afraid to ask? God, why, if he sees into your heart and he knows, why are we afraid to spill our heart before him and let him see the most vulnerable parts of us I tell you, it's easy when you go into a private room and you shut the door and, and maybe it's in your car or maybe it's on your drive to work and you turn the radio off. I don't know what that moment is for you. I'm just encouraging you. Actually, Jesus is encouraging you to take that moment. Jesus is encouraging you to take that moment of solitude, of of distraction-free, which maybe driving isn't a distraction-free environment, but he's, he's challenging and inviting you into a moment where you can be with him, where you can just open your heart and open your hands and let go of everything and say, God, this is where I am today. I love you. Thank you. Forgive me. Use me and let me see you go to work and in my life to conform me more to the image of your son so that you can use me to impact the lives of the people around me. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, real prayer starts when you pray and ask God to forgive you of your sin by the grace offered through Jesus Christ, his son. That's the first real prayer that I would encourage you to pray. God longs for a relationship with you. If you don't have that relationship with him, hear me today, friend. There's nowhere you've gone, there's nothing you've done, and there's no place in the world that he can't reach you that his love won't overwhelm you and him and he won't show himself strong in your life. You have not gone too far, and you are not unforgivable. He is His grace is good, and it will cover your life today if you will stop and surrender your heart to him and ask Christ to forgive you of your sin. And to be Lord of your life and to work in and through you so that you can become more like him each and every day. If you made a decision to do that today, if you want to talk more about that, I'd ask you to click the link and follow the instructions and let us know. We'd love to celebrate with you and be a resource for you as you take this first step in your journey to follow Christ. If you're a mature believer, if we can pray for you or an encourage, be an encouragement for you, I'd encourage you to do the same. Reach out. We'd love to pray for you and encourage you today and help be a resource for you as you move forward in your faith. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.